morning, everybody. How are you doing? It's great, really, really great to be here. Um, hey, first of all, just uh, thank you. Thank you, Darren, um, Ken, uh, and uh, Chris, elders here, just uh, again to, to trust and, and me the chance to be here with you this way. It's very special, uh, very special for me. Um, one, already this morning, I felt like we've already had like several beautiful little mini messages <laughs> kind of along the way. I'm sitting there going like, man, do I even need to talk this morning? Like, um, just a beautiful uh picture of what God's doing among uh, your church and the people here. Uh, I love uh, what you have on the, the out front, love God, love people. It's how do we get to the simplest thing that we know how to do that God's called us to as the greatest commandment to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as ourselves. That's the kind of church family that you're a part of, um, and I'm grateful to get to be here. Uh, it, as uh, Darren said, uh, it is kind of it's it feels this feels very familiar to me in some manner. A lot of new faces. Uh, great to have some friends and uh, family here. Uh, today, but also um, th- this was a room that spent a lot of time in. Um, I, I I was telling my my family, specifically my son, the way the chairs used to be set up in this room. Uh, our family would usually sit kind of like right here. And whenever I would preach, my son was much younger then. He felt the need to usually kind of he thought it was like call and response time while I was talking. Sometimes he felt the need to interject and kind of have something else to say. And uh, so we sat a little bit further back uh, today. I wasn't sure. <laughs> If he would be able to do that. But um, I have a picture that I brought as I just was thinking of this morning. So I'm the one taking the picture, so I'm not in the picture. Uh, my father, I mean, this is like iPhone maybe three, okay? Just kind of, this is 2009. Um, and most of these are college students that helped uh, us build the riser that you're on right there. And so that's my dad on the far left holding my son and my uncle there. But um, I love that most of these folks are scattered now. Uh, they're in other parts of the state or, or country. Um, I see, see Sarah back there. I was one of those, one of those college students. Um, but just a beautiful story of what God um, was doing here, and I love the fact that he's continuing to do uh, here. Darren mentioned just pastors gathering together. Uh, I love his heart uh, and Ken's heart. Like we, we still host right now like a monthly gathering of a few pastors. Just, in, just encourage one another because we're in this together, uh, as Darren said, the Church of Charleston. And so uh, just thank you guys uh, so much for allowing me to be here with you. Uh, the passage that, that's been read, the... the Parable of the Talents. Um, you've been walking through the book of Matthew already, and so you're, you've you've encountered some of these uh, these parables already. And you see how, if you know part of parables, how God uses those, he he. It's like this window into some kingdom truth. Uh, it's it's never like forty two things. Like it's usually trying to hone in on one really main point. Uh, and this morning, the big kind of overarching point that we want to focus on is how how God actually wants to. U- Call us to faithfulness with what he's given to us. Uh, regardless of what it is or how much it is, the point and the key of this part is that we would be faithful. Uh, Kent Hughes, uh, a pastor in his commentary, uh, says this. I think it's, it kind of helps us connect a little bit of where we're stepping in today. He says, so we may say the ready, that readiness looks like hope. And that would have been last week, kind of the, the parable of the virgins, how we have this hope, this looking forward of Jesus' return, how we prepare our heart. He says, love uh, for the parable of the sheep and the goats. You'll actually hear about that next week. And then faith, the parable of the talents. Um, and really in this sermon, our focus is on faith, more specifically uh, on faithful working, or even more accurately, how, 
how we can be faithful with our work. Um, I think this is just a very practical, I hope this message feels very practical to you today because the reality is we are gathered here today, but God has us spread around uh, our city Monday through Saturday in so many different beautiful places in our neighborhoods and our workplaces and uh, our schools and how he wants to leverage those. So, um, so I think as, as we look here at this, uh, we see in this series of parables how uh, we should actually live our lives in light of really the, this urgency. Jesus is coming back. And so how do we live out our faith throughout these days is really important because uh, we know part of, this, part of this message is that he is coming back. And urgency uh, should be a, kind of the key of this. Well, there's two things really to highlight. Um, we're going to highlight this passage and kind of spend some time really in two areas, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, but one of, the, one of the main parts of this is that um, it helps us, this passage helps us see ourselves rightly. It should help us see, if you're taking notes, it helps us see ourselves rightly, but it also, it helps us see, more importantly, God rightly. It holds these two things together. We're going to walk for a moment here. We're going to walk through some places. Look, how does this help us see ourselves rightly, but also, more importantly, how do we see God rightly so that we actually even have a better view of ourselves? And so, um, as uh, the passage was read, one of the first things that we see, and I don't know, but as you were reading or hearing that passage, five talents, two talents, one talent, um, I don't know about you, but you're, you're probably in the seat kind of like me going like, man, where am I? Am I a five talent kind of guy? Am I a two talent? Am I a one talent? Like some of you are like, man, I don't think I'm a five. I, hope, I think I'm more than a two. He didn't really say a three or four, but maybe I'm, some, maybe I'm somewhere in there. Uh, but like what, what are some of these gifts and abilities maybe that God has given to you? The point of it, though, in a five and a two and a one is this, that God distributes his talents and abilities not to all alike. He doesn't give them all the same. He doesn't give them all the same amount and the same things, but to each individually. It says actually to his ability, to what he could handle. This is what the master's not doing in this parable is going, okay, you get five and you get five and you get five and you, you all get the same and good luck. We'll see who does the best. He's going, no, I, have, I actually have something unique for you. I have something unique for you, unique for you, and, unique for, and they're all very different. So they're not all gifted the same way. It's according to their abilities. And the truth is, for some of us in this room, if we were, if we were given the five, five talents, it would just crush us. Like, it would just weigh us over. I work with a guy that I think is a five-talent guy. Um, his schedule and the way he... It's not just because he's busy, but like he... I spend the day with him and the way when I work with him, um, like the things we're working through, it's great. But then like, I'm done. I'm ready to go home. I'm excited to kind of be with my family, kind of recharge. And I'll come back the next day and I'll go, how was your evening? And he'll say, yes, well, we went out to this dinner that we we're uh, with some maybe ministry in the city or something like that. And I'm going, man, do you ever stop? Like it's just like his capacity, his plate is so much different. For me, if I tried to hold in that schedule, it would just, man, it would, it would crush me. It would kill me. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't continue in that way. And so for some of us, it would. We, we would just be crushed. But part of the problem, I think, as we look and we think in some of these variations, that many times, though, for us, the way we're wired, the culture we're in, we look at the five-talent guy and we think important. 
Don't miss this this morning. Five-talent guy is not more important. It's not more important than the one-talent guy, two-talent guy. When we think this way, and we'll get into this a little bit more, it really starts confusing our view of who God is. And we do not have a right view of who he is. And therefore, we also don't have a right view of who we are. This morning, that you would value yourself or see your importance based upon this, uh, this talent that God has given to you. And we'll get into some of these examples in a few minutes. But um, I, I think just wherever you are right now, to know that, what, that God has uniquely gifted you. He has, he has some, something that he has, has lived, lended and stewarded to you for his purpose. And um, the, the, the truth is five talented people are not more uh, loved by God or, or, or they don't get to experience some new or um, higher pleasure from God. It, it's, not about, it's not really about, man, I wish I could have what he has or she has. Um, man, the truth of it is, God's economy and the way he sees things, it just teaches us that his scorecard is different than ours. Praise God that his scorecard of like what success is is so different than ours. His kingdom scorecard does not look like just success based on our means. It looks more like faith. What we're finding from this five and two talent guys, it looks like I'm going to trust and take a step with what I have. It looks like risk. It looks like courage. It looks like willingness to step out to step into whatever it is that he's built for you. So this morning, five talent, wherever you are, two talent, even the one talent had the same opportunity. It looks more like, rather than comparison, which eats our lunch all day long. When we live a life of comparing and, uh, to each other, our eyes are more fixed on one another than they are fixed, fixed on, on the Lord, who's calling us and, and telling us more of who we are. So and when we do that, when we get more fixated on others and less on who God is calling us to be, we be, here's our temptation. We begin to live a very cheap version of someone else. You ever feel that? You got your eyes so fixed on someone else. Social media maybe is pulling you. Other areas that you just, areas that are pulling you of things that you, something is telling you you should be this or you should have this. You should look more like this. And you're feeling that gap. And rather than being encouraged, you're feeling less than and you're comparing and you're tempted to live out a very poor version of someone else rather than what God has for you. We have to see ourselves rightly because he didn't gift us. He just didn't gift us all the same way. And praise God he didn't. There's, there's folks up here doing things that like many of us can't do. And there's most of you that are doing things in your workplaces that so many of others can't do. In our family, um, we don't watch this as much as we used to. When it first came out, it was, we love watching America's Got Talent. And like you're, we love, like we love seeing those folks that were just like, man, that is, that's just so incredible. Like you're, you're in all of these things, but you're also these, these moments, right? It's kind of, that's why we watch TV sometimes. We want to watch the train wreck. You're thinking, like, how did they get on TV? Like, how did that person make it to the stage and then let them do that thing? And you're thinking, is that, like, that was talent? Like, because somewhere along the way, no one told them, like, you, you shouldn't do that. Like, some, somewhere along the line, like, they had, they had no voice in their life actually going, like, hey, I don't think that's your gig, uh, whatever it is. Um, and so you've seen, you've seen both of these. For some of us in our workplaces, you, there are people at your job that have a skill set that's just not your skill set. 
And you know this. And, and if you tried and you gave it everything you have, you, you go, if I muster up, I think I could do it. But probably the truth is you, you probably pull out about a B. And you'd be exhausted, you'd be angry, you'd hate it, and you'd pull out B-level work. And meanwhile, there's some guy that's like, he just like was born yesterday, and he's like, give me an Excel spreadsheet, like I'm all about systems and putting order together. And, and like for me, like some of these things I live in, and when I'm trying to, and I have, when I've tried to function outside of that, I'm, I'm giving you guys a B, I'm like a C, all right? So like I'm, I'm really struggling when we're in these places, and when we get in these, these areas where we're more try, focused on trying to be someone else, I remember um, in college it was for me when, when I became a follower of Jesus. And in, in those few years there uh, at Clemson, and believe it or not, I was telling someone, yeah, he, Jesus, I know he at least was there while I was there. He met me. Um, I think I'm think pretty sure he's still there. Um, you, you guys are quiet. This is quiet. All right. Like that, that might be the best joke I got all day. All right. <laughs> but, um, the, um, yeah, but I, when I, I remember walking through those first few years and wrestling and feeling this call to ministry and not really knowing what, because my framework of like what it looked like, the only reference I had was like a pastor, a worship guy, not anything like this. Like it was like, you know, someone doing like this. And, and, um, I didn't know a church really that had people that had like youth pastors. And I just, I felt this call to ministry. So I was like either, Lord, am I supposed to be the pastor? Am I supposed to, like, I don't know if I know how to do this. And uh, maybe I work with youth, which I did for a little bit. Or maybe I'm supposed to go overseas and be a missionary. Like that was just kind of the framework. It's like, I'm, I'm, I think I don't have many options. Praise God, there's so many more things of what God's calling us to. But inside of that, along the way, trying to figure out, like, who am I? Trying to figure out, like, Lord, am I... I'd listen to preachers and I'd go, oh, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. And then you try to be like that and it just goes bad. Or um, I enjoyed music and then I'd, you know, I'd want to be Shane and Shane. For those of you who know that, like, you know, like I want to figure out how to do the quick guitar thing. And man, I can't really do that. And, and over time, you just begin to exhaust yourself. I was trying to be a cheap version of someone else rather than in time just beginning to just rest and allowing God to show me along the way. You're not the best at everything. You're likely not the best at most things. That's some hard things to hear, right? It's like, dang, Clay, like can a little more pick me up. But you are gifted by God. He has, he has something that he has given to you. And one of the things I, I love the most about this whole compounding interest idea we see here is that the, the one talent guy could have sowed his. He could have done the very same thing, just as the five and the two talent. What's at stake here, it has really nothing to do with the talent. It has everything to do with what we do with the talent. It has nothing to do about the talent, everything to do with what we do with the talent. If you notice, the five talent guy, what, what, did, what did the master come back to say? I've entrusted you with a little, now I'm going to give you what? Much. The very same language with the two talent. I've entrusted you with little, and now I'm about to entrust you with much. They're getting this, the same reward is coming back to them for being faithful. It's not about, well, the five-talent guy in the end is going to get more and the two-talent guy is going to get more. It's all about our faith and what we do with it. So what are some examples maybe of talents or how we come about those? Like First, first they come from the Lord. They're his. 
He's given them to you. And for some of you, they're natural abilities that God wove into you at birth, some unique things that's part of your wiring and gifting. For some, that's, that's, that's part of what's there. There may be some unique things that God has put in you. You're gifted with words. You're gifted maybe musically. You're gifted with organization. You're gifted with uh, ability of relationship, of seeing and, and walking with people. Like there's some natural abilities God has woven in you. For many of us, for, really for all of us, there's also another part, our story. Through your story, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's things that God, for, for most and many of us in this room, there's some things that God is redeeming and restoring. That he's going, hey, that's not just about some work, that something that happened past in your life that now we're over and we're beyond. He's going, no, 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 no. No, I've given you something to take with you. This part of the story, it's not just your story, it's my work in you, but I need you, you're going to use that. You have opportunity to use that story. So out of some place of hurt, brokenness, and pain, God's redeeming, not just for your sake, but for the sake of others. I had the joy of a few years ago of, of walking through, it was a very difficult situation through uh, a, a couple that was in the church. The, hu- the husband was struggling with uh, addictions, was in and out of jail. Um, wife with children were just kind of walk, trying to walk in hand in hand. And uh, eventually that, that marriage would lead to a divorce, husband in jail. It was just a bad situation. And I remember over, over the course of a few years of just walking, uh, walking with Kelly, her coming and sitting down one day. And just what she was just trying to keep her face and focus like on the Lord through all of that. And um, and Kelly came and she said, Clay, I, the Lord has just been burdening me. I just keep coming across and spending more and more time with single moms. And I'm I know what it's like. I know what I'm feeling when I walk into this room, when she would walk into this room as a single mom. Because sometimes I don't feel like people know what to do with me. They don't quite know what to do with my kids. And I'm with other moms that will probably never step in here, and it's a group of people that I'm watching continually like leave the church. They're just not sure how to interact with the church. And and uh, she said, "I here's I just want to spend time with more single moms. Would you help me? Like, would you help me just create a space?" And I love that what Kelly put together was just a time for every other kind of Sunday to get together with some single moms and kids. And that, it, it took, it became more of a thing. It, took, it became, her faithfulness began to give way to other people's opportunities to also join her in loving and caring for some single moms, specifically some kids that had really no other gospel presence in their life. Um, on every other Sunday evening, a meal and a chance to have gospel conversation, encouragement. Um, and so I, I, this is a picture of, of Kelly and uh, some of the, the girls from that group. Ta-da! Ah, there we go. Awesome. So, um, so getting a, pic- getting a uh, sense of, I'm trying to see if Kelly's even in that picture. Yeah, she's uh, kind of fourth to the right, second red um, shirt. And... Uh, just a picture of going, God, there were, people would come to her because, I mean, now it's like, oh, it's cool, right? There's ladies and there's like things got a name and stuff. And they'd go, oh, Kelly, like, you're so great. She's like, no, no, no. I was so broken. I was so devastated. 
But God gave me an opportunity out of that pain and out of that place to give that away and to be there for some, from some others. Uh, grateful there. This next picture is actually Kelly. Uh, she married a few, just a few years ago, Jeremy. Uh, he's a youth pastor down in Georgia, um, coming out of another broken situation and seeing God redeem two families and doing a work uh, through them. This is the kind of stuff God does, right? Like there are moments that I, I, I almost feel sorry for the devil. Like, not really. All right. So, I mean, but to this, the fact that like what, what he meant for evil, what he meant for harm, like God redeems and restores and uses it for good. He uses it for his name. And for some of you, you have your story. You have, there, there's some part of you that's going, like, I never thought of that. I never, maybe you never thought that God, this is part of what you're wanting to use in my life for the sake, sake of others. He didn't just give you a story, but he's given you a place. Like some of you work, the places where you work. Some of you, like I think of a, a friend, a school teacher here, uh, who part of her prayer, she thought, okay, I, I know part of my gifting is not just with kids. Like I do great with kids, but she, she took that before the Lord. And she's like, Lord, what do I do? How can I, how can I be, how can I honor you? What do you want me to do? And she just said, I felt the spirit tell me, be in every kid's home this year. Visit the home of every kid. And she, she's been doing that. Most of the, her children uh, that are in her, in her class are Spanish speakers. She doesn't speak Spanish. But she has been in homes. She's been invited more and more now into homes, having dinner and having meals, getting to know these children. What, what began as a prayer of, Lord, how do I use my place? The place where I am, Lord gave her a direction to start going. She just said, I want to be in every child's home at least one time this year. She started seeing that a lot of the kids actually lived in the same neighborhood. And so as she was burdened for that and just going, man, these, my kids are right here and they're, they're on these weekends. I hardly have anything to do. So once a month now, she grabs some friends and goes over to the mobile home park area with chalk and jump ropes and a soccer ball. That's how hard it is. Shows up, present, just going and sitting and being another gospel light because she said, I want to, Lord, you put me in this place. I think of Mark, who he's a, a owner of, of an ice cream store downtown. This was really fun because it's like, ooh, ice cream. Now we all kind of want some ice cream, but off track ice cream downtown on the peninsula. Five years ago, Mark did not know the Lord selling um, bonds on Wall Street, moves to Charleston with his wife with the American dream of, like, he was making ice cream when he'd come home from Wall Street because it was kind of like his relief. Uh, just, he would, he started working on ice cream, um, recipes and got, apparently got good at it. And, but his dream was, I'm going to have stores all around Charleston. I want to own a house on, a house on the beach and a Maserati. I was like, there's goals. All right. Like that's Mark's goals. But then guess what? Jesus gets a hold of his life. And two years ago, he, be, he begins to rethink his place. And now he's going, my goals look more like I could really care less how many more stores we have. My goal is to be home by 5 o'clock to eat with my wife and my 12-month, 11-month-old son, Ezra. And, and now he goes, here's what I'm praying about. I have about 25 employees. God, would you send me someone else to work here with us? That would be another gospel light. He employs a lot of uh, girls from the College of Charleston because it's right there beside the College of Charleston. He's thinking about his place. He's thinking about where God has him. He's thinking about, Lord, what you've given me is now my responsibility. You have a place. There's, there's, there's some place where God has you. If you notice all these examples, they're you, they're, they're you and I. They're, they're, they're people 
with stories, with places just like you and I. For some of you, maybe you've been given a talent that's come to you. Some of these come to us actually at salvation. When we surrender our life to Jesus, sometimes there's just like a unique kind of manifestation, what the Spirit does to give for the common good. I, I love, I met a, a gentleman uh, this past week who's a professor who came to know the Lord in his early 30s, never really loved reading, come to know the Lord in his early 30s in Texas, and through that little church in Texas, just starts reading, falling in love with the Old Testament. He now teaches the Old Testament uh, to students. And I'm going, where did that come? Like, part of that was like, like I hated, reading wasn't my thing, didn't even know the Lord wasn't like, wasn't into teaching. And now, like, in his 30s, like, sometimes the Lord just moves and works in these ways and for the good of others and... First Corinthians 12, 4, 7 says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there's a variety, varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. If you, do you see this? Do you, do you see what's happening? Where we're prone to go, that person's got this really amazing thing, and, and they got, and then they got this really, really cool big thing, and I just got like this little baby thing. Like it's not even, it's just, just small. We're, we miss it. God, see, what God is trying to do is free you up to get your eyes off of what everybody else has, and He's going, same team, same team. You're on the same team. That's your, that's your teammate. That's not, that's not who you're against. What, why is this so important? Because it frees us up to actually encourage one another. We get our eyes off of, of what we need and get a chance to put our eyes on what others uh, need as well. Whether it's the same gift or something completely different, you get to see what he's doing. It's the same team. It's, just, it's the same spirit. It's the same Lord. It's the same. They're all different gifts. They're different varieties of service, different uh, activities, but same spirit, same Lord, same God. He's empowering everybody. He's doing every, everything. Why? For the good of others. He's building that team. He's building that team to cause problems against darkness, that we might be a formidable force against the darkness of the world. Huh. If we could see, if we could rightly see ourselves, if you could rightly see yourselves more correctly, our attention would be on him and you would realize how dangerous you are. How dangerous you are against the darkness. Prayer this morning has just been, Lord, that you might just awaken us. Just awaken us to what you want to do. Football's around the corner. Some of you get this. Some of you could care less about football. That's fine. Um, but if you think about a football team, and I describe like a six foot five, 375 pound guy, and say, we're going to put him out and we're going to make him run a long distance down the field to catch a ball. Like that, that just sounded funny, right? They're like, kind of want to see that. Like, but no team is setting up this, like his football's around the corner. No one's taking the big guy and putting him out on the slot to run a fly pattern to catch a uh, football. Like, it's just, he's out of place. Like, that guy was built to, like, fight you in a phone booth kind of thing. Like, he's close quarters. He's, he's going to tear you up. Like, he's not letting you in. He's protecting the ball. He, like, that's how he was wired. So even, like, you put him out of place, man, we're, we're going to, we're, we're, the team is suffering. 
And we, we get that. We, we, understand, we can understand it in that way. But in this point, we have to see ourselves correctly. we got to play our spot. Not your friend's spot. Not my spot. Not your cousin's spot. Not your spiritual hero's spot. Your spot. When we do that, there's a joy. There's a kind of joy when we get freed up to just walk with the Lord in the way that you've been uniquely, sometimes even quirkily, I don't even know if that's a word, in such unique, beautiful ways to walk and model who he's called you to be. Hard brace for some of us today because, because we're walking in someone else's spot. We're poor versions of someone else. Not this beautiful version of what God's saying you can be. And now I'm not trying to just like try to puff you up. I'm not just trying to just build this up in some self-esteem. I believe this is God's economy. This is how he functions. He's involved in that. He's, it's not that, it's not that you are amazing. It's that God is amazing in your story and in his gifting. He's the one. He gets the glory and the honor of this. And we have to see ourselves rightly. You've been gifted, but we also have to see God rightly as well. We take our attention to the one talent guy. He, it says he has no eagerness and no urgency, no joy, really no confidence, rather. It's, it's like he's making these accusations against the character of God. The Bible, he's saying that uh, the master comes to him and says, you lazy and you're lazy and wicked. Now, I don't know about you. These are not words I really want to hear uh, from God. How is he lazy? How is he wicked? I, I, think, I think this is how this works. When when we don't see God rightly, you have to kind of hang with me here. When we don't see God rightly and we don't see ourselves rightly, we begin to think thoughts about God that are typically out of step with who he is and what he does. When our, eye, when our attention just gets fixated on other things and it's not on the Lord, we get some twisted kind of version of things that almost sound like who he is and a sense of what we're feeling about ourselves and it leads us astray. And in so doing, we make accusations in our heart, I believe, like the servant. Maybe he thought, man, man, I only got one talent. So small. God, you're so rich, truth. You're so rich. You got all this stuff. Man, I got this small thing. What does it even matter? It just doesn't even matter. I, 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 what I have is small, and God, you're so big, so... I, don't, I guess I really just don't even need to do much because I don't even know if really, I mean, you're going to do more with the five-talent guy, right? I mean, you do, do something with him. If you were made for the day, I believe the day was made for you, God is intimately involved in shaping and forming you, redeeming you. We talked about hurt. That's your victories. That's your losses. Giving you a life of purpose and belonging and this unshakable identity. That kind of thinking the kind of thinking that my gift is too small, he's so rich, he wouldn't even miss this, is an accusation against who God is. This is why he's calling him wicked and lazy. You just, you just got, he's going, you're looking and you don't see what you have and you just, you just got sidelined. You got lethargic, you just quit. When we really know God is actually very generous, the truth is he's actually very generous. He, he possesses nothing that, uh, you possess nothing that is not God's and that has been given you to steward. I, it's, it's the picture C.S. Lewis when he talks about this um, uh, sixpence none the richer. Maybe that's a phrase you've heard. It's, it's kind of the picture of a, 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 or a parent giving their child some money so that they could go buy a present for the parent. 
like the, the child get, like we would do this in our home when the kids would have a Christmas store at the school. I remember we'd give our kids some money and they would go to the Christmas store at school and they, they'd come home with presents for us, like lots of little <laughs> knickknacks and things. You're like, oh, great, thanks. Um, like that's what the $20 went to, great. And then, um, but it was their way of going, I, you know, I can't do it without you, but I'm like, I'm giving it back to you. I still have a back scratcher today um, from that that is... My favorite, um, I was holding it this morning. I was like, Aaron, believe it or not, I'm talking about this today. Um, and she got concerned. But the, um, that's my wife, Aaron, by the way. So we, we get this idea that God has given to us something to give back to. And, and he's so generous. What he gives, how he saves, how he sets, how he draws, how he makes a way, how he positions us in ways. But in verse 25... He does get real honest about what's really paralyzed him. He says, I was afraid. I was afraid. For most of us in the room today, what's going to keep us wherever we are from taking a step and just trusting God with what our story, our place, our gift, our, whether that's something he's given to you recently, you've had since birth, it's going to be fear. Because he didn't know what God was going to do. He didn't know. He was, he was, he's making this accusation. He's saying, I'm afraid of what I might, what might happen if I, I've only got one thing and God, if I invest it, what if I lose it? What if it goes away? I mean, the five talent guy, I mean, he invests a little bit. He like, I don't know, maybe he comes back with three and it's like, I don't know, some Bitcoin stuff maybe got me a little bit, but like, I've got something, like I'm bringing something to the table, but man, I've only got one thing. Some of you feel like I've only got this little thing and Lord, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to actually trust you with it, afraid to give it over to you. And that fear will keep us from experiencing what God has. I think it's one of the bigger takeaways. And saying it again, like I said before, God's scorecard is not the same as our scorecard. It's not about what you have to lose. It's about where you have the chance to be faithful, to trust. What he delights in, what he's honored in is faith. Not our metrics of success. A lot of us, I promise you this, are going to get rocked when we get to glory. When you get to heaven, some of the, some of the heroes that are there, we're going to, we're going to be like, man, really? I, I love, I love Randy Alcorn. He wrote a book called Heaven. Um, I, I would employ like read that at some point. It's not just about like what to expect when you get to heaven. It's also like, how do we live right now in light of heaven? And I love, he tells a story of uh, a doorman. He would, Randy would also, like I know him, Randy, Mr. Alcorn would often travel and speaking in places. And as he, and he would frequent this hotel and he got to know the doorman very well. And when he would go, the doorman would often get familiar with his schedule and say, uh, Mr. Alcorn, you know, you're going to be speaking tonight. Oh, yes. And he goes, I'm praying for you. I'm going to be praying for you, and God uses you and does a mighty thing in you. And he's just noticing over and over again. And the Lord, as he was like preparing for that book, he just said, I kept just thinking about the doorman. And all the, that's like, what was his ministry? Holding the door and praying for people and their, their schedules. That God would use them as he would meet believers that would come and stay in the hotel. And he talks about it in the way this. He goes, one day, I just know I'm going to get to heaven and I'm going to carry his bags. There's just a beautiful, it's, God's economy is different. It's so different than ours. It flips it upside down. There's no small thing in the economy of God and his kingdom, but we have to trust him. His scorecard, scorecard is not us. He honors faith, risk, courage. Our God's afraid. 
fear will likely keep us from moving forward in faith. Maybe you've been hurt before and you're going, I just, I'm not going back there again. Maybe trust has been broken with you. You shared some information with someone and it came back to bite you. And you're just like, trust has been broken. Hurt is there. And the thought of stepping back out and maybe some place is just too hard. I understand. Let's not be afraid, though, for what God has for us to be able to step. And we can be prudent. We can be wise. But let's be faithful. How do you stay rooted? You see ourselves rightly, but to see ourselves rightly, I think we have to fix our eyes on this truth, and I'll land here. Your faith in what Jesus is doing, I'm going to say this. you got to have to hang with me. Your faith in what Jesus is doing is way bigger than your personal salvation. Now look at me. It's not less than your personal salvation, but it is bigger. He's at work. What, what we have been so conditioned to think, unfortunately, when we hear gospel good news is that it's only personal salvation. It's just about me and him. It's just about me and the Lord. And it's true, personal salvation, this morning, if you don't know the Lord, it, it, is, it is the key of how we enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is a, the transfer, it is us transferring out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son because of the work that only he could do for us on the cross, conquering death, rising, being raised from the dead, and seated by the Father, and giving us now access to the Father and to his kingdom. And our response to that is paramount to us being able to have relationship and enter into the kingdom. But part of this passage is not just about how to enter into the kingdom, it's how we walk as his people in the kingdom. It's bigger than personal salvation. You and I are caught up in a story. So what do you fix your eyes on this morning? Like you're part of a story, a story that, that all subsets of your story, my story, all find themselves in, in a rightful place. It, it's kind of like the, the think about... Um, the Lion King, like, you, you know, like when, when uh, Mufasa is on the throne, it's like things are in good order, right? And then Scar comes along, sorry, Jude, like Scar comes along and there's, like, it goes bad, like it's no good, like it's, the people, like people are dying and it looks, but then the right, when the king is on the throne, things are in the rightful order. And we look at this, this story of the king who, the creator God of the universe, he created all that he did in peace and shalom and in rhythm and beauty to reflect his glory and overflow of his divine true perfection flowed out on this canvas, Father, Son, Holy Spirit of creation. And it says that man and woman were naked and unashamed. And that has so little to do with nudity and everything to do with about the right heart that they had with, with, with the Father and with each other. And then sin enters the cosmos and fractures it. And man, he goes from this place of going, man, whoa, man, and bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, all of a sudden to, hey, God, that woman that you gave me, like somehow all of a sudden from here to here, what sin does, relational strife immediately between each other, God and man, But here's God's response to that, to move towards, to redeem and to save. And Exodus 17, here's his words, and I will be for you, and and you will be for me uh, more of a kingdom of priests 
that the nations might see. He's speaking in. Here's what I'm doing. I'm coming to make a people that will be a kingdom of priests that the nations might see. And Christ come, kill sin and death that we might believe. And you and I, by the power of the Spirit, are called into his kingdom to walk and to trust and be faithful with what we have. You are uniquely wired, uniquely placed, set to cause problems for a vanquished enemy who doesn't even know he's quite vanquished yet. And that's the story you and I are caught in. But we have, to, we have to put ourselves and think about those things. It was read earlier. It's not just our words, but the meditations of our heart. What are you thinking about? Where are you setting the meditations of your heart this morning? If we're going to have urgency to do this, then the faith, courage to move, we have to see God rightly. If we see God rightly, I believe we'll see ourselves more rightly and place ourselves into his story. In, in closing, there's um, just a statement here. just want us to end with deep work over time in community. Deep work over time in community. Part of you discovering your talent is going to be part of a deep work for you. Unfortunately, this, is not, this isn't like go take a spiritual test survey and in 20 minutes you got it. It looks more like deep work, and we are a hurry-up culture We very seldom know how to slow down, be quiet, and give space alone with the Holy Spirit to just go, Lord, will you show me? Will you do some of that story work? God, what have you done in my life? What what are some of maybe the pain points or places you're wanting to redeem? What are some of the relationships? What are the places you have me? Begin thinking. Go get alone with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, and just ask him. Spend time there. And over time, will you be really kind to yourself? Because it's going to take it's going to take some time. It may take some of you a little time. I, I used to I tell folks I remember like in my twenties I felt like I could do everything. There's like nothing you put it in front of me like yeah I'm going to do that I'm going to do that. And then somewhere in my thirties I started going like ooh like that I don't think I can do that like. And then now in my forties I'm a lot more laid back. I'm okay to go like you know what I, no I'm not really good at that. I'm okay over here at this and I'm gonna kind of do this because I'm really I'm not great at that. I'm let some other people do that that are good at that. Like we actually start re- relaxing a little bit. That's taking time for me. Some of you are a lot wiser. You're gonna get there quicker. But especially for a lot of our like high school and college students that are walking through life right now or thinking about God, what are you doing in me? What's my calling? Like what are you gonna do? Like be very kind to yourself. Give yourself grace to to walk and to allow God to begin to show you. Because he's going to begin doing things in you today that aren't going to bear fruit for maybe 10 years or more. But he's doing a work in you, and it's going to take time. And in community, every part of our culture right now says you're fine by yourself. You don't really need anything else. You don't need anybody. It's part of why you gathered this morning, to be reminded and remind one another of who you are, whose you are, and what we're called to. Wherever you are today, there's opportunity, I know, here at this church family to find community, to move from maybe just being here on Sunday to be a part of group life. For some of you that are in group life, you maybe you have the illusion of community, and you've got a group of people that you enjoy being around, but it's time to move a little deeper to go, hey, maybe it's a couple guys that you enjoy or a couple ladies that you just might have the boldness to go, hey, can we, can we talk a little bit more about the deeper things of God? like in what he's doing. I've got some things I'm like wanting to process through. I put some questions up here. They're very simple questions that you might get alone with, with the Lord or with a couple of those people and just go, man, what do I love to do? 
Lord, what do I really love to do? What brings life to me? Like, what, what, what motivates that? Like, kind of bring that before the Lord. Like, what, what motivates me to do that? Is that really of you or is that more of me? Is, and, and what do I constantly think about? What's like consuming my mind? And Lord, help, help me get some of that, that down in my heart. What would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? Like right now, if I knew it wouldn't fail, I'd step forward in this. What do I care most about people? What do I care most about people in this world? And how do I hope others describe me uh, when I die? Just do a little heart work. If you want to take a picture of that or something, that maybe conversation for you at the dinner table um, or just alone with the Lord. Um, but let's pray today that whatever the Lord has, that we would recognize part of the gift that he has given to us, and it's his. And he wants to do much for through, for you and through you if we'll give it to him, if we'll trust him with it and be faithful. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning. Thank you for um, yeah, just a joy to share from your word. God, I pray that for all of us, Lord, that you would just remind us, um, God, the generosity of who you are, what you've offered to us, both in salvation, Lord, to trust you. I pray that for this morning for anyone who doesn't know you, God, they can find hope with you, hope, hope in you. Maybe there's some part of one of those stories, God, that resonates and may, that it may spur or encourage forward a step of faithfulness, Lord. We'd, for some this morning, Lord, we'd get our eyes off of, um, of each other in a way that is of comparison and free us up, Lord, to be encouragers to others because they're the same team. God, you would help us rightly focus on the, the fact that today, right in this moment, we're a part of a bigger story. It's your story, and you've given us a role and a place to play. Help us see that. Lord, help us be patient, kind, with, even with ourselves, Lord, to do the deep work. Lord, to give ourselves grace and time to see those things kind of come together, Lord. Some of them just, the seed has been in the ground, but Lord, it just it needs to continue to, to work. And God, that we would be, this would be a place of community where we get to spur one another, we get to call one another out in love and righteousness and good deed. And God, we just thank you for it. May your word go forth. I pray these things in your name. Amen.